And we're going to read out of the, the, the book of Joshua. If you could turn to the book of Joshua, it's in the Old Testament. It's like uh, it's the sixth uh, book at the beginning. We, we have Bibles here. If you don't have a Bible, if you've got your Bible, youth are going to be with us today. So there's some Bibles here if you need some, because um, we're going to go through some scriptures today, Lord willing. Ooh, man, that list. That list. Joshua chapter 5. As you guys know, as you can see, Pastor Pat's not here. I know you guys were a little confused, but I got to get him a shirt like this. What do you think? You think he wears something like this? Ooh. All right. I don't know. But he was on vacation. Please pray for our pastor. He should back with the, be back with us real shortly. So he asked if I'll step in today. So you with me. All right. Joshua chapter 5. I want you guys to, to look down in verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5. And notice in verse 13 it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, how it's powerful. And Lord, we pray as we, as we study today, Lord, that you penetrate our heart and speak to us individually to what you have to say to the church today. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, in, uh, Moses said in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 33, if your presence is not with me, we don't want to go. And he says this after the, the, after the, the, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel just worshipped. The, the, he came down from the mountain and he just, they started worshipping, making a calf. And he came back and he wanted to reach the Lord. And that, that statement is, is an awesome, right? He's like, if your presence is not with us, well, we don't want to go. You know, here today, in this, on this scripture here, on, on our word today, we need to ask ourselves many times, wherever we go in our lives, do we have the Lord Jesus with us? Do we want the Lord Jesus in our lives? You know, um, here this book of Joshua is the account of God leading his people into the promised land. And God would complete his work. Uh, in Joshua 1.8, what he tells the folks there, he says, The Lord tells Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall med- you shall meditate in it day and night, and that you may observe to all the according of all that is written in it. For then you will make your pros- way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So God has always wanted to give us direction. God has always wanted the best for us. Right? He's always wanted his people to just be blessed, just have this this, this spiritual life, this victory here on this side of heaven. You know, and so and we, and he directs us by his word. He always directs us by word. Matter of fact, another scripture is when the, the word of the Lord, when he talks to Abraham, he says in Genesis 15, 13, verse 13 to 14, then he said to Abram, that's when he's still called Abram, now certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. 
and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. So the Lord's always directing us, always telling us uh, directions on how to go and what's going to happen, right? His word is always fulfilled. His promises are always true. Even though they went the, 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 into Egypt and they were, they were slaves for 400 years, he told them, hey, this is for a short time. Matter of fact, I'm going to judge them and I'm going to give you a great possession. And the awesome thing about it is that when they do come to this nation, they never had to build anything. They didn't have to plan anything. God had it all set for them. That's an awesome God we serve, right? So after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, wilderness, the first generation, Israel finally claimed their inheritance and enjoyed the blessings of, God, of the land and that God had prepared for them. His word was fulfilled. Now see, this is the kind of, of, of life that God wants for you and I today. Uh, he wants, we, we, we want it. I know I do. I want Jesus Christ, right, our Joshua, to be able to lead us and guide us with his presence and conquer now, conquest now, right? Many times, um, we, we don't, I love what was said this morning, one of the sisters on our prayer, she, she quoted a Bible verse and said, I claim this verse. And then, uh, I claim this verse, man. It just, my hair started right now again. Right? It's just like, man, yes. It's, it's God's word is true. God wants to be in, in every aspect of our lives. He wants to be with us always and guide us and lead us. He doesn't want us to go off on our own. Hey, if you're like me, you know what happened. It's not good. All right? It's not good. In the book of Ephesians, in the New Testament, which is an awesome book. It tells us our position in Christ. And then later on, he tells us how to live in, 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 the, in that position in Christ. In chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, it says, In him, Lord, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. And he, Christ the Lord has, an, he has obtained an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance for us. Do you know, maybe you don't know, maybe, do you know that we're his glory? He puts praise in us, right? He loves us so much. We're like his jewel, the Bible says. He wants the best for us. You know, we want the best for our kids. Obviously, the Lord wants the best for us. But you know what? Too often, um, uh, we live, a lot of Christians, either through a little time or all time, we live in a defeated life with fear of what God, God has for us. Like, like if we didn't know the promises of God, like if we didn't hear the promises of God. And for us who know the Lord, we should know, just like that verse that was prayed this morning, I claim this verse, the promise of him who wants to be part of our life. He wants to lead us in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to go out and be blessed, reach out. No matter what goes in our lives, what's going on, because we do have a lot of trials. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of struggles. The Lord wants to be a part of it. The Lord wants us to be blessed. The Lord wants us to be able to live a, a, a victorious Christian life and get the inheritance. What the Lord wants is what, like Moses said, he wants us to say that. He wants to say, hey, Lord, if you're not in it, I, I don't want it. If you're not in it, I don't want to go there, right? That's what he's saying in our lives. It doesn't matter if you've known the Lord for many, many years, if you're new, 
if you're older, if you're youth, it, it, you, that's the desire that God wants. For God's desire for us is to believe in his promises and not in defeat and not in the fear of the unknown. Because you think about it, these, these are here in Joshua. They're going to go into a land they've never seen except for two of them, right? So today, this morning, uh, I want, we want to look at today a few things here, that, how Joshua, who believed in the Lord's promises, how he was led by the Lord into the promised land. Think about it. He went to a place where he had no clue what was going to be there, but he trusted him, right? So, so who is this Joshua? Maybe you don't know who Joshua is, but Joshua here is a great example of a man of faith and courage. He, led, he was led by God, and he finished strong in serving the Lord. You know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of people, they have it on the walls. They, they know this scripture, Joshua chapter uh, uh, 14, in chapter 24, I'm sorry, verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Then he says in verse 15, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side or on the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Amen. Serve the Lord. And this is what an awesome phrase he says. It's true at the end of his life. He says, hey, you choose. You choose. Who are you going to serve? Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and on a side note, brothers, all you, all you husbands and fathers, that's one of those things that should be in your heart. Mine as well. I've talked to myself too. As we lead our homes, where we want the Lord, we, our house, we want to serve the Lord. And wherever he puts us at, right? So Joshua here was commissioned by God. He's for service. He was a disciple of Moses and his assistant. For all these years, 40 plus years, he's been uh, Moses' right-hand man. Right? He saw a lot of awesome things that God did through Moses, the Red Sea, Saw the earth open up and, sw- and swallow some, some disobedient folks. Food, I mean, the shoes. Never had, a, never had to buy any shoes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, I, I'm cheap. I would like to have these shoes. Right? Never had a, always had food. Always had manna. Right? He, he had doves. God provided. And he saw these awesome miracles. Matter of fact, he even saw that Moses was a man of prayer. Do you, if you guys remember the first battle against the Amalekites, they had, they had a ragtag army, and Moses is up there, and he had his two, two partners, and they're lifting up his arms. And every time he lifted up his arms to God, uh, Joshua, the first soldier, went in, they battled, and they would win. They would win the battles. And when he got so tired, and his arms went down, they would start losing the battle. So he, and then he, they had to raise up his hands again. So here Joshua, he saw. He saw the power of prayer. He witnessed it. He was part of it. So he's been totally been just disciples. He's totally been getting ready. He had wisdom. He was led by the Spirit, and now here they are. He's now in charge. They just crossed the Jordan. Right? They just made things right. They just consecrated their lives before the Lord. The second generation, they weren't, they weren't circumcised. They, they, find, they had a Passover. There was no more manna no more. God wasn't providing no more through, 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 the, through the heavenlies. Now they're on their own. Now they're going to eat the, the, the food of the land. And, and in here, Israel's now camped. He's in Gilgal. He's near Jericho. He's ready to advance and claim the territory that the, that the Lord has for him. Right? Now Joshua, just to make sure we're all up to speed here. J- 
Joshua earlier received the promises of the Lord's presence. Look back in chapter 1, a few chapters back. Verse 1. See, so before he came, he heard God's promise. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I have given to them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and, the, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, towards the going down on the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I love this verse. I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of my favorite verses. I love that verse. I will never leave you. So he told him, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matter of fact, look at the other verse 6. Verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage. For the, to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, again, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to, to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And again in verse 9, once again, a third time, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So many times when God repeats to us over and over, that means he's trying to get to it. He's trying to get a message clear. So to me, that's telling you that he was scared. He was scared from the get-go and he's scared to, to get the inheritance from now. So why did why did after hearing this, why did, why did Joshua, why was he fearful? Why was he scared? Well, maybe in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 13 or 14, you could write that down if you want to read it later. He, he was one of the 12 spies that went down to spy the land that Moses sent. There was 10 of them who gave a bad report. You know, maybe he was thinking about that report because, remember, he saw Jericho. He saw that. Matter of fact, they were saying that, that they're huge and the, and the, and the, tower, and the towers were all the way up to the heavens. But yet, when you read that account, Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that were say, hey, God got this, don't worry. We, with God plus, God plus nobody, God, God's going to win no matter what. They're going to have a thousand people. God, God's going to win this battle, right? But now he's there, right? He gave this nice, nice claim, right? And, and if you look at it even more so, even after the Lord told him in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he spends, sends out two spies. Does the same thing Moses did, right? But maybe he was thinking, hey, if I send two, it, maybe it would be good. It'd be, maybe maybe it would be like me and Joshua, right? But he tells them in verse 9 and verse 11, chapter 2, when they talked to Rahab, she said, hey, they know about your God. They know that you guys are wiping out all the armies. They know about the Red Sea. They're scared. Their hearts are melted. You got this. So even before he got to this Jordan, he has so many assurances that God gives through us in the word, through people. But yet, he's still scared. He's, he's still, he still don't know. You know, we need the presence of the Lord in our lives in everything that we do. And in these three verses, I'd like to look at some points where the Lord is, was, was really spoke to me. Uh, 
and regarding how we could continue to have our eyes focused on God, to remember the promises of God and not get scared of the fears and the doubts that at times can't come in our hearts, right? So look, if notice with me on the beginning of verse 13, right? He's ready to go. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now think about this. He's alone. Joshua was, was by Jericho, right? He's looking at this huge fortress. And you read the, 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 how the fortress is. There's like three layers within. It's, on a, it's like on a hill. So when you charge up, you're going to be going up. It's gonna be, it was like undefeated. It was like they never lost. And now he's looking at this problem. He's looking at his Jericho in his life. He's looking at, man, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to penetrate this, this tower? How am I going to be able to get the folks in here? Right? He, he's probably nervous. I know I would be. Right? Some, some, some people believe he was sitting there alone praying. He could be. But I'm sure he was praying, Lord, help me get through this. I don't know how I'm going to do this, Lord. I don't know if you ever prayed that. I know I have. Lord, I, I don't know how. I don't know how I'm gonna get by. I don't know how I'm gonna get by this day, All right? And here he is. Here's Joshua. He's looking. He's looking at this, at the Jericho, this humongous city. And yet, the closer he got to Jericho, the bigger it looked. I remember when I was a kid. One time we were going to. Uh, it was about ninth grade. We we're going to. Uh, uh, what's that place called over there? Uh, the amusement park. The one with all the roller coasters right there in Southern California. Yeah. I remember looking at the Superman. I think it was Superman. It was a big old ride. Ain't nothing. I'll do this one. I'll do this one. Yeah, five times, I'll do it. Then I got closer. <laughs> then I got closer. I said, oh, my gosh. Hey, uh, is it time to eat or something? You know, you know try, try to get out of it, right? And it's, it's huge, huge. And, and, you know, but I was, that thing was bigger than I thought. I did get on it, matter of fact. Close my eyes, though. I did get on it. I did get on it. But, man, it was bigger than I thought. I was right, talking, 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 right? And, and it was big. So here, here Joshua, he sees it's huge. And remember, think about this, really. It's an important first battle for Israel. I mean, this is the first battle. He, he's a leader, man. To be a leader, it's, there's a lot of pressure to be a leader, right? He knows if they lose this battle that there's going to be captives. He knows that they lose his battles. A lot of his, his men, his friends, are going to die. All the wives and the kids are going to be taken as, as slaves. So he's thinking, oh, man, there's I don't know, maybe over a million folks here. He goes, what, what, what am I going to do? You know? Man, pray for your leaders, man. You know? He's just, he doesn't know what to do. Now, we can't, have, we can't go through these difficulties in our lives, right? battling between the promise of God and the fear of the unknown, our Jerichos, right? Those things that enter our mind. You know, maybe some of us here are dealing with that right now. Could be our marriage. Man, I got a lot of issues here in my marriage. It's too huge, too big. Maybe our children. Maybe we have some kids who are not walking with the Lord right now. And you're like, oh God, I don't know. It doesn't look like they have any interest. It could be a job. It could be the challenge of your job, or you don't have a job. And you think, God, this is a huge Jericho in my life. I don't know how to attack this. See, that's what happens in our lives. We start doubting and forgetting the promises of God. Like I said earlier, when you grab onto that verse, because he, 
His promises are true. He fulfilled all these up to now. And you th we think about in our lives, I include myself, the many prayers that Jesus answered in our lives. So here he is. He's there. But we got to remember, God's promises are un untouchable. All right? They're untouchable. And, and we need to ask the Lord, Lord, <laughs> one of my prayers, right? Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. So one of the first things I look at, to be able to remember the promises of God, to know that he's for me, is we need to look unto the Lord and not unto our difficulties. We need to look at God all the time and not don't look at the problems. Look at, look at the end of that first verse. It says that he lifted his eyes and looked. He took his eyes off that Jericho. He lifted them up. And behold, a man stood opposite with him with a sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Now here, Joshua was a man of faith. I, I told you a while ago, I had courage. And he relied on what he knew to be true, right? He knew God said to him, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Many times in our Christian life, and I always heard Chuck Smith always talk about this. When you don't know, don't go on what you do know. God loves you. God is for you, right? Don't worry about the things we don't know. We don't know. But you know what? God will never leave us or forsake us. He never. He never has, right? There's many times we forget, and we want to lean on the things that we don't know. Oh, but what if? Nah, what if? He never leave us nor forsake us. This I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus, he died on the cross for me. Just I know that Jesus has a purpose in my life, and he wants to, to fulfill these promises in my life. Yet many times, and I, I include myself too, I could veer off. But he's just like Joshua here, he looked up and he saw. Joshua looked up and he saw a, a, a bowling man, this man with, with a drawn sword, which that always means, I always look at it like this. I mean, I don't know what it looked like, but I seem like this, right? A man of battle, right? Maybe because I like the Semites, right? right? He's like that. He's ready to go. He's ready to go at it. And he sees this. Remember, Joshua was responsible. He was leading the safety of the people of Israel. But Joshua, you got to give him credit because he did remember. God said, be courage. All right? That's another thing he hang on to. He told him in the beginning, be courage. Be cur I give you strength. He did. The moment came, he pushed to come to shove. He did. And he approached this man. Right? You know, we know later on, but Joshua responds in the next verse, that this man here is the pre-incarnated Jesus Christ. Right? He's the manifestation of the Old, Test uh, the Old Testament, a theophany or, or Christ Christophany. He's God. God always has been always will be. He's always been. And he's showing up here. Right? He's showing up to, 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 to Joshua in a way that he could relate. And he's drawn to him. Right? And it, well, you know, some people say, well, how do you know this? It doesn't say, well, you know what? Joshua knew the law and would not worship an angel or a man. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and you shall take oaths in his name. Our Lord always comes to us when we need him and the way we need him. He's the great I am. There's many times in my life where I need him to encourage me. I need him to guide me. And he becomes so many things in my life when, I, when, when we give our, our whole heart to him. In Abraham, remember in Genesis, the book of Abraham, I mean, Abraham, he was a traveler. He was a pilgrim. And he met Abraham to share a meal with him in Genesis 18. Jacob, the schemer, 
as a wrestler to bring him into submission in Genesis 32. And then you all remember the, the three Hebrew men, he, he joined with them in the fire as a companion. He went, he didn't take away the fire. He went through the fire with them when, when, when the king threw him in that furnace seven times the heat. And then the king said, hey, did you put three, three people in there? Yes, well, I see a fourth one. He looks like the son of man. Man, so many times God has shown himself. And this is one way he's showing, excuse me, to Joshua. So Joshua met him as the commander of the Lord's army because he's a soldier, right? He's a soldier. And you look at here on the end of that verse, Joshua asks a really good question. He says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? That's a very good question. Do we, you know, through our times, when we go through trials, are we saying, God, are you for me? Are you there? One of the second things I always try to remember, you know, when God loves you, and God is with you, he's for you. When we're going through our trials, when we're going through our Jerichos, that's one of the things that we need to remember. God loves you. Romans 8.31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Psalms 118.6 says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Love that verse right there. The Lord is with us all over in that verse. The Lord is with us as in all that we need. He is our light, so we need not fear the darkness. Right? He is our strength. We need not fear because of our weakness. And he is our salvation. Well, that's for sure. And that tells you how much he loves us. That's an awesome God. So here's Joshua. He's going to have his, his first pers- a personal encounter with the Lord. right? And he's trying to encourage him. To remember my promise. Don't worry about your fears. Sometimes we could ask ourselves, well, I never had a personal encounter with the Lord. I hear about that all the time. How do I have one? Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in your, in your devotionals. Fellowship with others. Pray with others. Man, you see God move in your life, and he'll show up in the way you need him to show up. And this is what Joshua is going to happen here to, to Joshua. Verse 14. So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua is having this encounter with the Lord to assure him that he is with them. Look, he didn't, he didn't answer the question. He said, No, I'm not with your adversary. He's asking him, Hey, are you with us? No. He goes, he's, he's giving him that encouragement. He's letting him know, Hey, I am with you, right? God uses these trials in our lives so that we, that we are forced to turn to Christ. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love the way the Lord works. I really do. Because here, look at this. The question it wasn't if the Lord was on his side. The question you should have asked, Lord, are you on, am I on your side? Right? Many times we want to lead God. We want to tell God what to do. But look, he's saying, hey, what side are you on, Joshua? Are you on my side? And, and it's a very good question, some, some of the things that we need to ask ourselves, right? And what a relief it must have been to Joshua. And what a reminder it must have been to him that, you know what? I'm number two man. 
<laughs> I'm not number one man. I don't got to be calling these shots. This is God's, this is unnecessary, unnecessary pressure that we put on our lives. He wants to, us to give us, give him our burdens. And he's now sitting here, he, he's reminded, and he's thinking, you know what? You are God. You are in charge. This is something for every Christian, every father, every mother, every pastor and leader, we need to know, you know what? God is the, is the leader. God is the command, not me. Not me. When I lead, when I need, lead my home by the grace of God, I need, need to be reminded that the Lord is the, is the head of my home. Not me. It's the Lord. The kids. Leadership here. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can't do nothing. There's no way. Abiding in Christ. I love that verse. He is the commander of the army. He is the captain of the host, it says in the King James Version. Jesus he is the host of the angels, the spiritual realm. And these angels can battle in the spiritual and physical realm. You guys might remember one angel battled and killed 185,000 in one night. And who knows, maybe in the chapter 6 of the following chapter, when the walls, Jericho, when the walls came down, it wasn't that trumpet, it wasn't them shouting, it was God, and maybe his mighty angels knocking us down, right? So here he is, he, he sees... This man with this drawn sword. God is truly drawing him. And look what he does. Third thing we need to remember, to remember the promises of God, is to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's very important. We need to give our whole life to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14, the second half of that. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Man, Joshua's response was, to humble himself and worship the one who needs to be worshipped, that's Jesus Christ. You think about it, Joshua was, he was a general of Israel, right? But he gladly, gladly humbled himself to surrender his will to the reverence of God. He's the Lord, the Lord, the King of kings. He is almighty God. And now he's come to that realization. No longer does he have to worry about Jericho. No longer does he have to worry about if, 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 if or what if, what if, what if. He knows now God needs to be worshipped. I need to bow down my will to God. When we serve God, we're bowing down our will to, the, to our Lord and Savior. I love what David Guzik said in this quote I wrote down here. He says, Before Israel could conquer anything else in the promised land, they had to be conquered by God and Joshua. Total submission shows that they are conquered by him. This is the missing element in a life of victory for many Christians they have not been and are continually being conquered by God. Man, that's a heavy-duty quote, right? Are we letting God conquer us? For us to go claim what God has for us, the Lord needs to conquer every part of us. And, that, and I love that verse. I, I wrote that down and kept that, and it's, it's a good reminder. And I like what he says, continually being conquered, continually being conquered. Every day, every moment, say, Lord, what you have for me today? Submission is a, is, is, is a response to worship. I mean, here we're, we're worshiping earlier, and it's not always song. Worship means to bow down your will. Man, there's uh, some of these uh, beautiful worship songs we rang, sang this morning. Man, I just, oh, man, I couldn't stand up for a little bit. I sat down. You know, it really touched my heart. 
you know, to know the love of God, that he's worthy of everything. Worship is our response. It's the response when we encounter God. Normally we are, we totally are overwhelmed when we are totally, totally worshiping God in his presence. Then you look at that end of that verse, it says, Allah, his response was, what does my Lord say to his servant? That's Joshua's response right there, my Lord. It's a total commitment as a servant. You know, one of the things I've realized and in, in, in known in my life, and I'm sure some of you folks know what I'm talking about, there's something about when we totally submit to the Lord that brings fear to some people, all right? You think if, if I'm going to, like, if I surrender to God, man, he's going to make me go to the worst place. Uh, if I submit to God, I might join this EE over here and I have to go knock on doors and share my faith, all right? And we think that. Oh, I'm going to have to go outreach. We think of the worst things that God has for you. Guess what? God has what the desire in your heart and your skills in your heart. God is going to put in your heart to use you that way. Yeah, that's good. Outreach is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I've seen, we've seen a lot of people saved through the outreaches through here and through other churches. But if you have other gifts, if you have that hospitality, God's going to use you in hospitality. If God has your gift to be an encourager, he's going to use you in the way, the gifts that you have. If you're an administrator, in, in, as a student, he's going to use you in a mighty way, and it's awesome to serve God. But many times, we let the fear of commitment to the Lord that thinking that the worst thing's going to happen, the most terrible thing's going to happen, right? But true conversion is to be a servant of God, to be honest with you, right? If we totally give our lives and we ask the Lord, are you for me or against me? And you come, we come to that point, what do you want me to do? Lord, we're saying, use me. Use my life. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, on his conversion, in chapter 9, he's, he's, when he's, his name was still Saul, says here, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Remember, he was the enemy of the church. He went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found any who were on the, of the way, that's the church, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he had came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembled and, and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul, who became Paul, totally gave his life after he knew that he had an encounter with God. God used him mightily. He did go through a lot of persecution, but he used him mightily. We're reading the Bible because the, the power of the Holy Spirit through him gave us this, our word, our encouragement, the truth about who God is in our lives. So, what does my Lord say to a servant? It implies here, this is by Matthew Henry, it implies an earnest desire to know the will of Christ and a cheerful readiness and resolution to do it. Joshua now is ready for the, for the post he is, was in. For those know best know to command, know they need to obey. They need someone above them to serve. It must have been encouraging to, to, to Joshua to realize, you know what, I'm no longer in charge. I'm no longer my Savior, my Lord. And that's a word, too, and just a side note. 
A lot of us, a lot of folks, you know, they love the salvation message. But he's our Lord. He's our Lord in our lives. Verse 15. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Fourth thing that we, I see that we need to remember God's promises and know that he's for us is we are to live holy lives. This is very important here. Josh, look at Joshua's first orders. What was it? He says, hey, he revealed to him, you're on solid grounds. This is holy grounds, I'm sorry. He's telling him, be holy. Do you know the Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ? We are ambassadors of Christ. Joshua showed reverence and respect for the Lord. Same thing happened to Moses in Exodus 3, 5. Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off, off your feet, for this place where you stand is holy ground. The world is dirty. That's what he's saying. Take your sandals off. It represents humanity. See, Joshua was standing in the enemy territory. Yet because God was with him, he was standing on holy grounds. Think about it. He's on enemy, ter enemy territory. We are commanded to live holy lives, church, to, to live our lives separately, consecrated to the Lord. First Peter uh, Chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, not conforming themselves to the form of lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. If we are obeying his, God's will, we are serving the God, we are standing on holy ground, right? In our lives, we need to represent the Lord. You know, not just on Sundays. We need to know that when we, we are representing God, we need to live holy lives, because we claim to be a Christian. People are watching our lives. We are walking Bible. You know, they're not going to care what we tell them. They're going to care how we act. So if we're holy, for God says, be holy for I am holy, we need to live righteous lives. We need to be holy lives. We need to be able to represent him because they're seeing the Lord through our lives. And when we do that, we're reminded that God is with us. He is always with us because he's going to convict us. He convicts me. You know, we, at my job, it's, you know, most of you guys know I work in a, in a, in, the, in Fremont, a lot of people in Tesla, and there's a lot of folks, and a lot of folks know that I'm a Christian. I know they're watching me, because there's a lot of folks that don't, do not like the Lord, do not like Christians, and they're watching. And I need to remind myself, as I read this, the Lord tells me, be holy. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, doesn't mean I walk on clouds, doesn't mean, doesn't mean I'm, I don't make any mistakes. It does not mean that at all. But Joshua here is, is, is obedient, and he and says here, and Joshua did so. Joshua's now ready to lead. He's ready to lead. He had an encounter with God. He's now being led by the Lord. And he's obedient and teachable. You know, many times our trials, uh, he's teaching us. You know, we go through trials, but he's teaching us. He's preparing us for what he has next. You know, promise of the Lord. If I could finish here on this, on this thought here. You know, two questions he asked. I'd like for us to really think about two questions he asked. One was, Joshua, are you for us? And the other one is, what does my Lord say to the servant? All right? Very important questions. And I keep bringing that, I keep saying that because I want you, I want us all, including myself, to know God loves you. God wants to be with us always. God wants us to be able just to use us in our lives. Yet we're going to have trials. We're going to have struggles. And when we're living these lives and we're trying, to, we're trying to represent the Lord, do we really know that he's with us no matter what or just the good times? I'm going to share with you this. Uh, uh, when I used to work at, I used to work at a, a formal uh, company 
big company in Fremont, manufacturing plant. Huge. Slogan was one of the slogans, we never lay off, never have. All right, and I got this job before I was a Christian. You know, I, I, I was married with my wife now, I was settling down, I wasn't a wild guy I was, and I got this job, you know. I did not even recognize God in it, I didn't even, I know he's the one provided. I get this job, and, and things in my life are turning around. I have a beautiful wife, got beautiful kids, and, and, and the money was good, it really was good, and, and I worked in the department, you know, I moved my way up, I was on the line, I, I, I love to work hard, I, I, I put a lot of hours in, and I like to take pride in what we do, and the, and the cars that we were making, the Corollas and the Tacomas, they're good cars, and, we, and, I, and I really enjoy my time working there. And, and I, I, got to, I got in a good department, and the funny thing happened while I was there, one half my time there, all of a sudden the Lord is calling me, all right? The Lord is calling me, and I don't see it. I do not, I, I mean, I've heard, the, I heard people try to preach to me, Jesus loves you, he died for you, and I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, it's all the same, it's all the same. All the religion's the same, all right? So finally, because I love my family, one day he, he came to me, the Lord, my encounter, my true encounter, if I look back, I was thinking about this last night, I, I wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with him. I lived my life all these years, I good. And then my son, my oldest boy, and some of you guys heard this before, praise the Lord, it has nothing to do with me, it's God, all God. He's real small, He's, I don't know, six years old. And this young man is reading the Bible. Right? My wife is starting to read the Bible again. And then he asked that question I shared with you guys before. Who's your favorite character in the Bible? I didn't know anything about the Bible. Nothing. Right? And I just told him, well, who, who do you like? And he told me, I agree with me too. And he was all happy. Yeah, Dad. Now God approached me, not with a man of a sword, but he approached me through my kids. Because he knows I love my kids. I love my wife. And now I'm thinking, oh, no, this, I, I can't lie to him no more. I'm going to put this under the rug. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove. I went the other way. I'm going to prove God is not real. And man, from that point on, I had some brothers at my work and in, in, in knew me. God just surrounded me full of Christian. And I'm seeing the truth about God. And there's, there's a point where in my life where it's, you look at it and you salvation, salvation, I die for you, die for you, die for you. In my heart, I was, is he really for me? Or is he against me? Very important question to know if you're going to stay in the faith and know the promises of God. Man, and he revealed himself in an awesome way because he used my family. And Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the response that comes, right? God, what do you want me to do? I've been wasting my life. What do you want? Man, I never thought I'd be up here. <laughs> but, right? I, I, ne I just wanted to be used by God because he's drawn me and he's revealed himself to me. He used, he used my life. And, and here I am now claiming the gospel in, at, at my workplace for about, I don't know, a good six, eight years, my last years. And then we hear, we're closing the plant. I had my Jericho moment, you know, I, I totally believe in God, I'm serving God, I'm in the men's ministries, I'm, I'm doing a lot of service for the Lord at work and everywhere else, praise the Lord, right, 
now I have my Jericho moment, which was my company. You know, I, that, that place, that, praise God, he provided. It was, it was providing for my wife could stay home and raise my kids in the Christian home. My kids, are, I love my kids. They're brought up right. They're bringing up in the word of God, and they know Jesus. They want, they've never not known Jesus. And here I am. I got my moment. I'm staring just like him. I think, oh, gosh, now what? But right there, that moment, I never forgot. You know, I had my little, my little Joshua moment. God said, do you believe I still love you? And I said, yes, Lord, I do. And what he, from that moment, we had like, I don't know, about a year to get our, to get your finances ready. Man, I praise the Lord. I knew God was going to provide. I knew he was for me. I knew that he wasn't going to leave us out in the cold. I knew that he was going to do something. If he meant to move somewhere else, God, what you want me to do? And man, you know what? That was a time in my life where I really dependent on the Lord because he provided for us after we got laid off. He gave me another job. I'm working at that company and, and God brought us through it. And God is good. Why? Because he loves me. I want to close in this part right here. Can you turn to Romans 8? And then we'll close. Romans chapter 8. And that was the verse that I, I, I personally was leaning on during that time of my Jericho moment. Thinking as a father, as a husband, we're providers. And I think, man, how am I going to provide? Romans chapter 8. You all know I love Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. When you think about, is he for me or is he against me? Chapter 8, verse 31. If you see, you notice in the New Testament, this is the Apostle Paul speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God's love. Think about it. If, who, if, if we know these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 32. He who does not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave the ultimate sacrifice, his son Jesus. Right? How could he not give us all things for us that know the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Verse 33. Who, look at this, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God died for me. The devil accuses us. Not God. God just justifies us. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? He answered it. It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Whom, who also makes intercession for us. He's praying for us every single day. He's praying, praying, praying. Those things, fear, those doubts come in our head. Oop, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I got you. I got you. Don't get away from me. 35. Love this verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations? Shall distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? 36 says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We suffer for Christ. We go through trials for Christ, but it's for a short time. Just for a short time. 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More. How could you be more than conquerors? We're more than conquerors because the battle's already won. We don't got to go through it. If you're a boxing or you're an MMA, you ain't got to go in the ring and, th and fight. It's already a done deal. It's already a victory. It's already won. 
So we are more than conquerors. Just like Jericho conquered, the, the conquering here of the Jericho goes down, we are more than conquerors. And 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 God is a powerful. No matter what goes in our lives, Believe in his promises, right? Believe that he loves you. Believe that he's always with you. No matter what things change in our life, he's always with you. Your relationships, God is with you. Your, your, your job, God is with you. Your family, God is with you. God is always with you. He loved you. He gave his son for uh, you and I. So one of the things I just want to really just encourage everyone here, believe. Believe in the promises of God. Believe that he loves you. And he's going to get us to the other side. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that as you said here, you will never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, we pray, Lord, I pray for anyone here that who is battling with the promises that you have given them, who are battling with the fears of the unknown, I pray for everyone here who has that in their mind, that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, you give them peace, you give them comfort, knowing that you love them, you see them regardless, and you will, your grace abounds. So, Father, I pray for our church, that we could be a church that does not look at the problems, but looks at you ultimately. We want to surrender our, our whole lives to you. We want you to be the Lord of our lives. And give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' presence to live holy lives that will always give you glory. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.